Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Have your Bibles. I want you to turn to the book of Luke. I'm continuing my series that I have entitled Build This House over the last few weeks. And for the next few weeks, I'll be talking a a series entitled Build This House that kind of paints a picture of where I think we're headed, the things I think we want to be about as a church. And um, the first week, um, we talked about, or or the theme of this this series is taken from Luke chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, we'll have the verse up here. Everyone who, hear, who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house. You notice I've put that in yellow this morning. Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. The theme of this series is taken from this verse. I want to build this house. The first week, we talked about um, uh, the kind of house that we want to build, a blueprint. And I said that it is united with our Father, a house. You can go to the next slide, guys. Uh, United with our Father, a house that is listening and acting on our Father's words, a house that is committed to our Father's will, a house propelled by our Father's heart, a house empowered by the Holy Spirit, and a house that is attractive to real people. This is the blueprint for our house. The last time that I spoke, I began to, be, to speak about the process that is in the house, and I used 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that you'll see up there again as well. It says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And I love that phrase, being built up. That implies a process of building. And and last time I spoke, I said we have to embrace this process. As I look at the process, there are three steps. There's pre-construction, there's site work, and there's house building. And I thought I was done with this portion of the message. But the Holy Spirit, you know the Holy Spirit, or if you know the Holy Spirit, you know Him. He likes to mess with things. He's a Holy Spirit, but He's not a tame spirit, I've heard somebody say. (laughs) And He drew me back to a couple of things that I want to reemphasize this week. We must embrace the process of the build. See, because the process is really, really important. And as we look at these three processes, there are two things I want to pull out. The first comes from the area of pre-construction. When we talk about pre-construction, there's two things that typically happen. The first is blueprints that are made for the house. The second is getting of permits. And I buzzed across that two weeks ago really, really quickly, and the Holy Spirit said, I need you to go back to that. And so this morning, we're going to focus there. The second area we're going to focus on comes from site work. When we talk about site work, we talk about clearing and grading the land. When you go to build a house, you got to get some stuff out, and you got to reshape the land. Then you have to establish a supply and removal access. You have to establish a foundation, and then you have to bring in utilities. And then lastly, when you build a house, you, you, you finish it. You, you, you put up the walls. You put up the trusses. 
You, you, you enclose the space. You bring all the finishing touches. The second area that we're going to focus on is this area of site work. And it's in the area of establishing supply and removal access. See, I've been talking the last few weeks about us as a church. I've been talking about how I think where we're going as a church. But today, I want to talk to you as individuals. Today, I want to speak to you as your individual self. See, because the reality is this. We all have this idea of where we want to go collectively. But our collective destination is built upon our individual situation. And so if our individual situation isn't right, we're never going to get to our collective destination. And so this morning, I want to challenge, I want to push a little bit, I want to talk to you. Our collective experience with God is founded on our individual experience with Him. We all want God to move. I was talking with someone this week, and they said, man, we're excited to see God bring revival. And that's dangerous. Because revival is a little bit messy. Revival is a little bit out of control. But the other thing is, is if we're not careful, we tend to think in terms of the collective. I want our church to experience revival. Revival is founded upon what happens in my own heart and my own life. We can't have revival if I don't have revival. We can't experience God if I don't experience God. We can't have something collectively if I don't experience it individually. We won't arrive at that destination if we don't have that experience individually. And so this morning, I want to talk to you as an individual. I'm not talking about the church as a whole. I'm talking about you as your own individual person, and I want to land on two places today. The first question that I want to ask you is, have you given him your permission? You know, Jesus is a gentleman. Did you know that? Jesus is not going to force you to do anything. He's not. He may want you to. He may try and get you to, but he can't. He doesn't possess the, or doesn't have the will to force you. He possesses the ability, but he doesn't possess the will to force you to do anything. So everything that we do is founded upon the permissions that we give to God. In the same way, you can't start building on a site until you get the permits, until you get permission. You'll get in trouble if you try to start building without permission. But spiritually speaking, it doesn't work if you don't give him permission. He has to have permission first. So the question is, have you given him permission? Permission for what? To become the architect of your life. Let me continue with this theme. To become the architect of your life. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You guys have figured out by now, I love words. Words matter to me. Don't always use them well myself, but I think they, they matter. There are two words that I think matter. I've highlighted them. The first is founder. This word in other translations uh, is author. It means initiator, it means captain, it means lead, it means author. And, and I was thinking about this word author. An author is not somebody who just writes a story, but an author is somebody who writes and shapes the story. If I am the author of a book, I don't just think about the message, I think about the way the message is presented. I think about the ups, ups and downs of the story. I don't know if we have any authors in the room today, but if you're an author, you don't just write. It's not like I sit in front of a desk and write a story out. The author shapes where the story goes, how the story moves, the ups and the downs 
I'm sure there are English words that my wife knows that I don't know, like protagonist and contagonist. Is that a word? No. <laughs> Antagonist. And there's like climaxes and there's valleys. Clearly not an English major. My wife is very embarrassed of me right now. Fantastic. No, but the author is somebody who shapes the story. So when we invite the Lord in to be the founder and perfecter of our faith, what we're inviting them in is to be someone who doesn't just start, but someone that oversees the entire process of our story. If we're calling him an author of my life, I give him permission then to shape and to mold and to move my life in whatever way he sees fit. And that is terrifying. He might send you to Africa. No, no, that's scary if we're honest, isn't it? Because we're not really sure. What if he makes me do something weird? Am I the only one who ever felt that? What if he makes me do something weird? But, but it says in Scripture we must look to Jesus, the one who is the founder, who is the author. The second thing it says, he's the perfecter. This perfecter means the finisher, the fulfiller, the completer, the accomplisher, the one who adds what is missing in order to render something full. I thought that was cool. The one who adds what is missing in order to make something complete. When I talk about him as a perfecter, he's the one who looks down at my life and says, hey, I look at you, I see you, I love you, I want to write an incredible story with your life, but you know what, there's some stuff that's missing from your life. And so I'm going to add these things into your life. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me a little uncomfortable. Jesus is messing around in my business. Jesus loves messing around in your business because he is the perfect author and he is the perfect perfecter. Jesus is not actually out to make you weird. He's not. He's out to make you the best version of yourself possible. And when we believe that, then it's much easier to yield. It's much easier to give Him permission. But it begins by understanding that if we're going to make Him the architecture of our life, He's going to become the author, and He's going to become the completer of our lives. If we want Him to be architect, then we have to recognize that's part of the process. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 11. I want you to read this with me. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I want you to notice a few words there. I've highlighted them for your convenience. Jesus is Lord. Do we know what that word means? Lord is the one who has the power to decide over that person or thing. If I am a Lord in the, in the historical sense, I have the right, I have the authority, I have the ability to make decisions over what it is that I am Lord of. If I am Lord Christopher Stubbs and I oversee the eastern side of Lawrence County, I have the permission, I have the authority that then to dictate what happens in the eastern side of Lawrence County. 
That is what I am given by right and by authority. So if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. We loved the saved parts. We like the confess that or believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead. We like that part because that's about our salvation. The bit we struggle with is the Lord bits. Unless you're very different from me. That's the bit I struggle with. Ah, you're my Lord. Okay, great. I want you to go do this, but I don't really feel like doing that one, Jesus. I don't want that. Lord, that just doesn't work out for me today. It's not my thing. Anyone else been there or is it just me? Jesus starts getting in your head. See, but when we call him Lord, I think a lot of people want to call him Savior, but very few people want to call him Lord. But the Bible says if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means he has the, the legal right, the authority. Now, if we don't know his heart, if we don't know his character, then, the, then that's a dangerous thing. If we don't know him, that's a dangerous thing to call him Lord. That's terrifying. Because what is he going to do with me? But if you know him, if you've met him, if you read about him, you begin to understand that he's actually for you. He's actually for me. He wants what's best for me. He wants to lift me up. He wants to encourage me. He wants to strengthen me. It says the fruit of the Spirit is hatred and destruction and calamity. Isn't that right? No. It says it's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Well, that stuff is good. I want all that stuff. But we then fight him every step of the way, don't we? But Lord, I want my love this way, and I, and I want my peace this way, and I want my kindness this way, and I want this person to be burned in the fiery pits of hell because they weren't kind to me. Right? We've never actually prayed the, those prayers out loud, but in the heart of hearts, there's been a few people who are like, Lord, you could take them to heaven right now if you'd like. We've all been there. Let's just be honest. We have to understand when we make him the architect, we need to know his character. You can't divorce his lordship from his character. So when I claim him to be Lord, I need, I need to do so with understanding of his character. And I could spend years talking about the character of Jesus. But what I want you to know this morning is that he's for you. And when he asks you to do things, and when he asks you not to do things, it's not because he's a galactic jerk. Because he actually wants what's best for you. When he says, don't do that, it's because he loves you and doesn't want you to do that because it's going to hurt you. When he says, do that, it's because he loves you and actually wants what's best for you. That lordship is founded upon his character. We don't always understand him, but we can trust his motivation. We have to believe that God raised him from the dead because that brings victory. Then salvation comes. You realize confessing that he's Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him are the precedents before you will be saved. I think some people want him as Savior, but, but they don't want him as Lord. You're going to struggle with your salvation if that's the case. You just will. The first thing that we have to give him permission to be is the architect of our life. The second thing we have to give him permission is then to begin working on our lives. Knowing something about you is not the same as having permission to change something in you. I want to say that again because this is important. God knows all kinds of things about you. He knows all, He can just watch. 
He doesn't have to be in your life. I can just watch. I can know some things about you. I know that my son loves soccer. Why? Because he loves watching soccer. Right? I know that some of you love fishing. I go to your house, there's fishing boats there. Some of you love people. Some of you don't like people. Some of you love camping. Some of you don't like camping. I don't know what it is, but knowing stuff about you is not the same as having permission to change something in you. So some of us will sit back and say, Lord, I want you to do, I want you to do, I want you to do. And he goes, that's great. I know this about you, but until you give me permission to change something in you, I can't do a thing. I can know about you, but until you give me permission, I can't change a single thing in you. This morning, there are some here this morning who need to give him for the first time or maybe renew the permission that he has to speak deeply. And that's terrifying. I get that. I understand that uh, uh, as long as you forget who Jesus is. I'm not saying everything's perfect once you get Jesus. I'm not saying everything's magnificent. There's life still. There's junk still. There's your own humanity still. I get that. But this is about who has legal right. Does he have the permit to change stuff in the landscape of your life? That comes from you saying to him, God, I give you permission. As we move along as a church, we have to be a church of individuals who have given him permission if we're ever going to see collectively what we believe the Lord wants us to see. Have you given Him permission? If you haven't, He won't do a thing. Or if there's areas in your life that you withhold. That's the other game we like to play. Jesus, you get 90%, but there's this 10% over here that I don't want to give you. I mean, that's me. I'm not exempt from that. There's bits and pieces that I don't like to talk about. I don't want to talk about because it makes me feel bad. But there's stuff in all of us, that, that little bit, and he's like, ah, why is he always after that area, right? God, I've given you 90%. Can't you be happy with the 90%? No, because when I give him all of me, I get all of him in return. And until I give him all of me, I don't get all of him. And I don't know about you, but that's not an even exchange for Jesus. This is not the same as that. Maybe that should be a great place to say no or something. Could have helped me some way there. No, but right? We want from Him something we're not willing to give Him. God, I want you to be my everything. I want you to be my all. I want you to be all of this to me. And He's like, I would love nothing more than that. But if you don't give me, then I can't give you because I work on permission. Have you given him permission? Second question I want to ask you this morning is, have you given him access? Isaiah chapter 40. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain be made low. The, the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This comes from Isaiah chapter 40 and it's a precursor to John the Baptist speaking about Jesus. But when I read it, I was struck by who has to make 
a way for whom? It says, prepare a way in the wilderness for the Lord. We have a responsibility. I love the words that are used here, prepare. That word prepare means to turn towards somebody. It means if I'm going to prepare something, if I'm preparing for someone to come to my house, I'm turning my mind, I'm turning my heart, I'm turning my attention to him that's coming. So preparing means turning toward. Make straight this word. I I want you to see the definition of this word. Go ahead and throw that up there for me, guys. To make linear movement with a focus... I don't know why I always forget I can look over here. With a focus that the movement has no wandering or turning from a course, implying movement with purpose or ease. When we make something straight, that's what the Bible says, make straight. It means that we are making a linear, that's motion in a line, with a focus that the movement has no wandering, it doesn't turn from the line, or turning from the line, Implying movement with purpose or ease. So I was thinking about this. I have three children. You, you've seen two of them. My boys love Legos. There is no sharper object on the planet than Legos on the floor in the middle of the night. These are not my original feet. They were actually cut off by Legos on the floor Right? Anyone with me? You've stepped on Legos. When you're looking at that minefield, you're thinking, how can I get through that? What I need is someone to go before me and clear a path so that I can walk with ease and I'm not turning to the right or turning to the left because therein lies death. No right? Some of you that didn't have Lego-wielding children don't know the joy of Legos on your bare feet. They're dangerous. I think that's how we should keep invading armies out. Just throw Legos out and no one would get in. Not that there's a lot of invading armies, but you know. When we think about making straight, it's this idea that we're clearing a path. We're we're making it easy so that the destination can be arrived at. When's the last time you cleared a path for Jesus in your own life? When's the last time you said, Lord, I want you to visit me so badly that I'm going to clear a path. It means it's not crooked or twisted, it's straight. To make straight means it doesn't bend, it doesn't twist, it's easy to navigate. This word also means to unleash, to release, or to allow an object of travel and move without restraint. It means we can move forward quickly and without restraint because we know that the path is plain and straight and we know what to expect in front of it. We are called first and foremost to clear a path for Him. When's the last time you said in your heart and your mind and your spirit, Lord, I'm clearing a path for you today. I want you to have easy access so you don't have to do this to get to me. When's the last time you said, Lord, not only am I giving you permission, but I'm clearing a path for you? See, the Lord doesn't ask us just to clear a path for Him because He's afraid of the Legos of our life. See, there's a purpose in this. Proverbs chapter 3. I want to read Proverbs chapter 3 to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your 
paths. Same word, to make straight, to clear out, to imply movement that has purpose and ease in a right direction. It's not crooked. And that it was a release or an unleashing of something in you. See, the reason God wants you to clear a path for him is because he wants to clear a path for you. God is a reciprocating God. It means he never asks us to do something for him that he's unwilling to do for us. But I don't know about you. My ability to clear paths is nothing compared to his ability to clear paths. We sang it this morning. He moves rocks where no one else can move them. He heals where no one else can heal. He does things that nobody else can do. See, when we clear a path for him, his heart's desire is to clear a path for us, but it begins by us trusting in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not 90%. And that's where it's tough if you're human like me. I'm good with 90%, but that 10% is tough. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. How often do I lean on my own understanding? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and then he will make straight your Do we trust him to remove those things that need to be removed? Do we trust him to reshape those things that need to be reshaped? Those attitudes, those mindsets, the hurts of the past, the troubles of the present. Do we trust him? Have you followed the process? Have you given him permission? Have you given him access? Have you followed the process? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come now, or those members of the praise team that are willing. I want to read this verse to you. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive judgment and punishment. That we may receive soul-crushing. What does it say? It's not my words. What does it say? Mercy and grace. The process is really simple. Draw near. To the throne of grace. You know, in church, we love to use words that nobody uses anywhere else. Right? I have several times referred to this as the altar. That's weird. Right? Altars are like weird things in the Middle East where people put animals and they slaughter them. There's no slaughtering of animals here. It is red, but that's not from the blood of animals. We refer to this place as an altar because back in the day, they would bring sacrifices to the Lord. They would lay them on the altar to cover sin, to, to thank the Lord for all kinds of reasons. But it was a place where you brought something to the Lord, you offered it to the Lord, and then you left it there and you walked away. 
We refer to this as an altar because it's a place where we bring our sacrifices to the Lord. Not physical, not flesh, but sacrifices of self. I said to you earlier that giving him permission is difficult. It is a sacrifice. Giving him access is difficult. Following the process for some may be difficult. I don't know your stories. I say it, it's so easy, just draw near to God, but drawing near to God is hard for me because of one, two, three. I acknowledge the truth of that statement, but it still doesn't change the fact that we have to draw near. You got to draw near to Him. So in a moment, we're going to stand together. In a moment, the praise team is going to begin to pray. And I'm going to ask you some questions. Have you given him permission? Have you given him access? Have you followed the process? And then in a moment, I'm going to invite people who would like you to come down and pray at this altar. And, and, and there's nothing super spiritual. It's not like there's a magical barrier that you cross when you get down here. But see, as humans, we're made up of three things. We're made of intellect, we're made of emotion, and we're made of will. Intellect is my mind. This is how I process things, how I think about things. It's what happens here. Emotion is, well, technically not here. It's all still up here, but we use the heart as an illustration. It's how I feel things. And today the Holy Spirit may have spoken to you in your mind. I hope He stirred you in your emotions. But see, there's this last bit called the will. And there's something that happens in our will when we get out of our seat and we move. It's not because this space down here is more spiritual than the space you're sitting. It's not. But there's something about saying, Lord, you've touched my mind, you've touched my heart, and I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to come down to that space, and there I'm going to offer the sacrifice of permission. I'm going to offer the sacrifice of access. I'm going to offer the sacrifice of process to you. It doesn't mean you've got to have it all figured out doesn't mean you're going to get up and somehow be a saint when you leave. But what it does mean is when you get up and leave, something has shifted because you didn't just think about it. You didn't just feel it. I got up and I walked down to the front and I said, I am doing this. I'm exercising my will. And I know it's terrifying. I know it. I've been there. The enemy wants to keep you in your seat. The enemy of your soul wants to keep you rooted to where you are because when you put your will into action, something shifts. So would you all across this room stand with me this morning? For those of you that have given the Lord permission and those of you that have given the Lord access, I want you to begin praying. The reason we've had a rough morning is because of this moment right here, right now. The enemy wants to stop people from giving the Lord access, giving him permission. I'm going to invite the elders and their wives to come down, spread out across the front here. If you would like someone to pray with you, you can find them. If you want to pray on your own, you can do that as well. Here's my questions. You ready? Have you given him permission? Second question, have you given him access? Last question, have you followed the process?
And if you can't say yes to that for a few moments, we got 10 minutes. I ended early today because this matters. There's no way that the Lord can do with us what he doesn't have permission to do with me. There's no way he can do with us what he doesn't have access to do in me. There's no way he can do in us if we don't follow the process. I don't know where you are with Jesus today. It's really easy, but really difficult all at the same time. You got to give him permission. You got to give him access. You got to follow the process. You do not have to pray with anyone that's here. They're just here if you'd like someone to pray with you. As the, I'm going to pray. The praise team is going to begin to play. And then I invite you to come as an exercise of your will. Pastor Chris has spoken and he's touched my mind. Pastor Chris has spoken and he's stirred my heart. But now as an act of an exercise of my will, I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to go down to the front. I'm going to find a place of prayer. And I'm going to give him permission. I'm going to give him access. And I'm going to follow the process. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, all across this room, these are your people. People that you brought here today people that you've drawn here today. I don't know their circumstance. I don't know their situation. I don't know their their permission status. I don't know their access status. I don't need to know their journey in the process. But Spirit, I pray right now you would begin to speak to each heart and to each life. Spirit, like you've done with me so many times, that whisper into the deep places And if they need to give you permission, Lord, help them to give you permission. If they need to grant you access, help them to clear that path for you. If they need to draw near, they've been standing away. Help them to follow that process. As the praise team begins to pray, I simply want you to be obedient to the Spirit. And I want to invite you to come. Spirit, you are welcome here. Come on, don't be don't be afraid. If you have a need this morning that you need someone to pray for, I invite you to come. You can stand and pray with some. You can find your own place of prayer. To be church. Don't be afraid. If you need to be down here, get down here this morning.
you given him permission? Have you given him permission this morning? Have you given him access? Have you given him access this morning? this morning, I want to encourage you. Permission can be given at any place. The Bible says to call on the Lord while he's near, so it makes sense to give an opportunity here and now. But you can give him permission anywhere. Maybe it's at home tonight. Maybe it's as you lay in bed. I don't know. You can give him access at any point, at any place. 
This is not the only place of access. You can follow the process. You can draw near to him at any place. And as I look across the, the room, I think there's people in all kind of different spaces and places. Some of you here maybe are not ready to give him permission yet. That's okay. You just keep coming. You just keep putting yourself in that space. Some of you are here and you're like, man, I'm fighting to give him access. That's okay. We've all been there. But I would encourage you, you'll never regret giving him permission. You'll never regret giving him access. Because I know his heart, and his heart is to bless you. His heart is to strengthen you. His heart is to, to, to help you to become all that you have the capacity to become. Today, this is about us as individuals. We as a church will never get to a destination that we as individuals are not at. So I would encourage you, if you have given him permission and if you give him access, then lean into that. Lean into that. Because he has so much more for you and he has so much more for us. Are you with me this morning? I'm going to close in a word of prayer. If you're up here praying and you want to linger, then please feel free to continue doing so. If you didn't come and you know you need to be up here, then come on down. This is a great time to do business with Jesus. It's a great place to do business with Jesus. So the praise team will continue for a little bit. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. But if you're not ready to leave yet, you just want to sit in your seat and enjoy his presence, fantastic. Father, I thank you for the work that you've done in this place this morning. Lord, we as a church give you permission to move. We as a church give you access to this space. We as a church want to walk the process <clears throat> of becoming all that you want us to become. But Lord, I understand that begins with us as individuals giving you permission, giving you access, and walking out the process. Father, help us. Lord, if one hasn't given you permission yet, help them to give you permission. Lord, if we haven't given you that access, if we haven't made that straight path for you, we've allowed things to get in the way and help us to give you access because you want to give us access. Father, help us to draw near because in drawing near to you, we find mercy and we find grace and we desperately need those things. Father, as we go from this place today, will you go with us? Will you help us this week to increasingly give you permission and access and increasingly walk out our process with you? Lord, as we go, go with each one. Lord, you know that there are some leaving this place today that face what are seemingly insurmountable circumstances. But Lord, as we heard today, you are omniscient. You are omnipotent. Father, we trust in your character. Open the doors that only you can open. We ask, we pray, will you make straight as we make straight for you? We ask these things now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As you go today, be blessed. Greet someone on the way out as you go, please.